Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, look, tonight we're going to continue in our series, What Happened? And uh, for those of you who weren't here the first uh, Wednesday that we started the What Happened series, I'm going to recap um, a little bit with you guys. So uh, one of my favorite things to do, um, even on my on my free time, man, I love hearing about what Jesus did in people's lives. Uh, it could be how they came to know God. It could be the most recent thing that Jesus did for them. And, uh, you know, like I've mentioned before, maybe they trusted God with a relationship that they were struggling with. It could be with their parents. Um, it could, could be with friends, a brother, and sister, whatever. And God came through for them. You know, maybe they weren't getting along for years with somebody and they prayed about that situation. And the next day they got a phone call and made up. I've heard stories like that. Or, or maybe it's they didn't believe in God and they asked to meet him and they, and they trusted that he would follow through and he came through for them and they had an experience with God. It could be a number of things. It could be financial and I could, I could go on and on, right? Well, I love hearing those stories because it encourages me and I like telling them because it encourages me. And so um, I'm going to sum up a story from the Bible. I did this in a video for those of you that were here when we kicked the series off, but I'm going to do it again. And it's in John chapter eight. It's one of my favorite Bible testimonies really because I like the reaction of the guy um, in the story, the blind man in the story. But it's about the blind man. Um, and so Jesus and his disciples, they're walking down the road, and um, it doesn't really say where this blind man was on the road, but him and his disciples are walking, and they see this blind guy off in the distance. And we know from the Bible that it tells us he was blind from birth. And so they must have known that because they asked Jesus some questions about, man, why is this guy, why is he blind? Why was he born that way? Was his, was his parents sinners? And, and they're asking all these questions. And, and so Jesus starts to give them some answers to that. And as they get closer and closer to this blind guy, uh, it, it calls him a beggar. So he would probably beg for food or, or shelter or clothes or something. And so I'll just pause there and say, when I read God's word, I always try to put myself in, in everybody's shoes. So in Jesus's shoes, what was he thinking having to answer these questions and coming up on this blind guy? Or in the blind guy's shoes, he, I mean, we know about Jesus, but he didn't know about Jesus really. And so he's just sitting there blind and this day, you know, day to day as usual, you know. And so Jesus walks up to this guy and he does something crazy. He spits in the ground and then he, ta- and he makes mud with the spit in the dirt. And he rubs this like spit mud. I see some of y'all faces like, ugh. He rubs this spit mud on the blind guy's eyes. And then he tells this guy something crazy. He says, now listen, after I, he rubs this mud, go wash off in the pool nearby. And so the guy goes wash off in the pool nearby. And all of a sudden, when he's washing this stuff off, his eyes are opened. That's crazy. Like this is a thing that happened in real life. Like we read that and we can feel so detached from that because it's just on a page to us. But this happened to this guy. And so he comes back to the city and he sees and it says first his neighbors. So the people that live by him saw that. And so they start talking amongst each other like, whoa, man, did you see? I don't know, John. I use that name all the time. Man, you saw John over there? That dude's been blind since he was born. He sees now. So that's that's the talk of the town. And so people are like, what happened? What happened to John? 
Then it gets to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are wanting to know what happened because none of them did this miracle. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so the Pharisees are debating with each other, and pretty soon they're going to pursue the parents of this blind guy. You know, they didn't like this because, man, they like to be in control, and this was out of their control, and it was causing like a, a little chaos in their town. And so meanwhile, I got to about imagine uh, this blind guy is, is running around like crazy. I mean, I think if, if I was blind up until this point in my life, and I just got my sight, I'd be freaking out. I'm pretty sure you guys would be freaking out too. And so, man, he's pumped. And the Pharisees come to him and they ask him, you know, hey, who, who healed you? You know, and, and whoever it was that healed you, they did it on the Sabbath. And, and that wasn't a good thing. You weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. So they're kind of accusing him now. And this poor guy, man, he, he didn't ask to be healed. He was just sitting there blind. Jesus walked up and healed his eyesight. And now these Pharisees and these religious rulers are really giving him a hard time about it. And I love his response. This is, this is, this is what I love right here. James, put up uh, John 9, uh, verse 24. In John chapter 9, verse 24, it says, A second time they summoned him. Talking about the Pharisees, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. So they're talking about Jesus. They're saying, this guy healed on the Sabbath. That was a religious rule they followed. And he's saying, tell the truth. Give the glory to God. God bless you. This man's a sinner. And so he says, in response, he says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. It was, it was that simple. It was that simple. Hey, man, I was blind and now I see. And what I love about that is in our life, we might not be blind and healed and see now, but that's figurative. Whenever you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're spiritually, your spiritual eyes are open. You can start to see things you didn't see before. When you read the word of God, things jump off at you. You get revelation, we call that in the church. You get revelation of scripture. Or maybe maybe you're worried about a certain situation and you pray and God gives you direction. You see direction that you didn't see before. And what, what else I love about that is, notice the talk about this blind guy. Everybody wanted to know what happened from his friends and his neighbors to his haters, the Pharisees, to even his parents. Man, what happened? And so we all have stories like that. And before I have some of your leaders come up to kind of share their story, which we're going to do for the next couple of weeks, um, I want to say this. There's this thing we talk about, uh, myself and your leaders, and this thing called the culture of honor. And one day I want to preach a message on it, but until then, I'll give you a snippet. So a culture of honor is like this. Think about a business. In a business, they have people that work the front counter, right? They have people who do accountant work, so they count all the money and all that stuff. They have managers, so they make sure everybody's doing their job and stuff. And then they have usually, let's say we're talking about like a retail store, people who stock the shelves. So everybody has a job, right? And so what's cool about that is, man, the manager might be a horrible accountant, but the accountant's not. So he's doing his job and he's covering that base. And so the same might be for the counter guy. Maybe he's not a good accountant and a good manager, but he's working that counter. And if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't function right. Well, in the body of Christ, especially, you know, amongst your leaders and myself, we all cover bases that, that one or the other can't cover. An example would be, I didn't grow up in church. And so my testimony is a little different there. 
and I can maybe reach people a little better who identify with that than those who don't. But man, we have leaders who that is their testimony and everything in between. Some people, they grew up in church and they served the Lord. They maybe had a few hiccups along the way, but they stayed serving God. Some people didn't. Some people grew up in church, walked away from the Lord, and now they're back. And then some people never did. It's all on different ends of the spectrum. But what's cool is you can find, whether it be me or one of your leaders, you can find somebody to identify with. And what I hope you get out of this series is that you have a testimony too. Even if you don't think you do, you do. You have a story. Maybe it's a story of, hey, I've been seeking God for years and I hadn't found him yet. Well, that's part of the story. It doesn't end right there. Or maybe it's, man, I was seeking God for a long time and then I had this encounter. That's awesome. But everybody has a testimony with God. And so last uh, time we had Jonathan and Mariella share their testimony. This time we're going to have uh, Jenny Nida and Eric Nida share their testimony. Um, and so first, I believe we're going to start with Jenny. All right, y'all give Jenny a hand. She's going to come up. And it's going to be very relaxed, guys, and very simple. Jenny, you want a chair or right, did you want the pulpit too? Or? Let me get it out your way. All right. I'll take it away, girl. Is this working? Okay. So how y'all doing? I know I know y'all have been out in the heat, in the sun all day. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> um, well, I've never been, um, I've never been physically blind, but I've been spiritually, spiritually blind. And I'm sure glad I'm not anymore, and I'm sure glad it did not require any kind of spit mud, because <laughs> that is pretty gross. Um, well, I was born and grew up in Opelousas. Um, it's hard to say, yes, I've grown up in church, or no, I haven't grown up in church. I grew up in church, but I didn't. Um, I went to church every Sunday, every Sunday we had to get up and go to church. Um, but that was, that was pretty much it. I, I was baptized at a very young age. I was baptized as a baby and I was saved as a baby. Yay. Going to heaven. (laughs) But, um, but that's what, that's what I believed. I, I believed, you know, since I was baptized. I went to church every Sunday. I was good. I was good to go, going to heaven. But that that wasn't the case, and that's that was part of my blindness. Um, I I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't really didn't know who God was. I knew Him. I knew Him like you would know a, a celebrity, but I I didn't know Him personally. And I had, um, I grew up with a wonderful family. Um, My parents always loved me unconditionally. Um, And we did pray. Uh, We prayed, you know, before we went to sleep, said that our father, um, 
but I, that was pretty much it as far as spiritual guidance uh we did really didn't have that it was like i said pretty much go to church on sunday and then the rest of the week is you just live that's it and let's see There, I, there was a lot of tragedy that I dealt with when I was younger, a lot of tragic deaths, uh, including my cousin who was tragically killed when he was nine and I was eight. That, that hit me pretty hard. Um, and, and just different family members who, who either were killed or killed themselves. And that just being young, that was a lot to deal with. And it that's what I believe caused a lot of fear to come into my life. When I was little, I it just completely irrational fears. Um, irrational to the point of, I remember one time going to sleep, holding my heart, my hand over my heart just to make sure it was beating. Um, just irrational. And I, I dealt with that on and off a, a good part of my life. And I, I was just so desperate for something. I didn't know what, though. I was desperate. And uh, along with that, it, it just caused a lot of depression. Uh, and I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to who to turn to. I would tell my parents, you know, I'm I'm scared about this. I'm scared about ghosts. I'm scared about bad weather. Oh, it's okay. There's nothing to be scared of. But that that didn't satisfy me. I I was completely desperate, and and I had no clue what to do. But like I said, we, we did go to church. Um, I, I, went to, I went to catechism once a week, and, and they, they tried to teach me some stuff, but it was boring. <laughs> but uh, I remember when I was little, I was probably about in probably about the second grade. That was, when, that was the first time. I saw a prayer answered in my life that I, that I can remember. I had two friends. I was a second grade girl. I had two friends who, who didn't like each other. They, um, I was kind of stuck in the middle of them. And I, one day I just decided to pray about it. I prayed, God, I, I pray that this would stop, that they wouldn't fight anymore. And the next day, I would go to school, and my friend's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave her alone today. I said, really? <laughs> whoa, just um, kind of blew my mind. I was like, whoa, I prayed, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. So that was the first time that I, that I, could, that I really saw God work. 
um, when I was 12 is when I moved to Lafayette. And going through that kind of transition in the eighth grade was tough. Um, going to a new school where, um, I mean, by, by eighth grade, everyone has their little groups all, all going and stuff. And, and I didn't have a group, and it was tough. Um, and then that, along with, along with the fear and depression, and uh, it, it was just, it was rough. But when we moved to Lafayette, I started to go, um, we, we started to go to a different church, which was more or less the same. We went to church on Sunday, and, and then we lived our life how we wanted. Um, but we would go to these conferences once a year where the Holy Spirit would show up. And I had never seen anything like that before. It's like, whoa, this is either really cool or really crazy. <laughs> um, but it was at one of those conferences where I think that was like my first vision that I had gotten. We were worshiping and I just, I just get like these split second images. And I had gotten this image where there was kind of like a door right here in my stomach and just a very strong wind was just rushing inside of it. And I had no clue what it meant. Uh, I, I know now that that was the Holy Spirit, but I had no clue. And then I, I got really, you know, on those conferences, I, I got really excited about, about God, and, and then I went home and lived my life like I wanted to. And then there came a time where I, I got invited to a, a church that, um, that actually taught from the Bible, and I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And everyone was telling me, yeah, you know, I, I've learned so much from this church. And so I started to go, to go there, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, I actually learned how to read my Bible, which I had never done before. And went there for, for quite a few years. But then I started to go to college, and um, at some point I started to go to the ministry there, Chi Alpha, and uh, and that that is where I met my love, wherever he's at. I don't know. There he is. I can't see him. I can see his hand. Um, but I started to go to their services and. I was like, okay, there's something here that my old church did not have. The one I'm going to now teaches me 
but these people have something that even that church doesn't have. I was like, that's something that I want. And again, I had no clue what it was. I'm trying not to leave anything out. Um, but yeah, so I started going there and, and finally I realized it's the Holy Spirit. These people have the Holy Spirit. My church did not. They um, they believed in the Bible. They they taught from the Bible, but um, they pretty much left the Holy Spirit alone. And so at some point, I was like, okay, I you know I'm I'm going to this church. I'm the only one during worship raising my hands. <laughs> at some point, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to move on from here. So. Um, talked to my one of my leaders, and she gave me a few churches to go and visit. I visited a few churches. Actually, I visited Family Life first. I was like, okay, I really like that, but let me just let me try out these other churches. I tried all the other churches out, and um, I was like, okay, we're going going to Family Life. I just really, really loved it. Really felt welcome. Um. But, but still, I still found myself in that pattern of, of I, I, would tr- I would trust in Jesus, and then I would get to a point where I was so comfortable that I would gradually just kind of uh, fall back into trusting myself. And it, it just became a cycle to where... I would I would start um, either I would just get burnt out or I would get into depression again and and I would just find myself in a place where I was desperate and I would um, just seek God harder and and get back on track and it was just that cycle and it's the same cycle that that we see in the Old Testament in Israel, they constantly, they would, um, they, they would, you know, do what they wanted and they would get into trouble. Once they got into trouble, like, okay, God, we're coming back to you. And, and it would just be that cycle over and over again. And one day I was, uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, well, God, is that just how it's, is that just how it is? We have to wait until we get to a point where we're desperate. And he just spoke to me before I could say anything else. He said, you are always desperate. Uh, All of us are. We're always desperate for him. Always desperate for his love every day, his salvation. We need him every day. And I, I I got to got to a point where it's like you know I just gotta trust him. I, I remember the first time um, after Riley was born, uh, she was in the hospital, and 
at, at like a week old, we found out she needed heart surgery. And so when she was two months old, we went to New Orleans for heart surgery. And, um, and I was, I was okay. And everyone out, everyone around me was freaking out. And they're like, how, how are you so calm? Your baby's having surgery. <laughs> and that was the first time that, that I felt, um, felt that peace that's talked about in Philippians. Just pe that peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, yeah, but God's God's got her, and um, and along with that, she had uh, what's called a hemangioma on on her face, like all on the side of her face. It was like red and like bright red and splotchy and um I just uh you know people would look at her and I actually had some people you know one one person was like oh she's bloody it's like no I'm, I'm not gonna just walk around with my baby having a bloody face <laughs> um I had someone someone tell me you know you know I had people tell me you know you know God can fix that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but um, but God did, and she is, she is healthy and beautiful, and we are very blessed. <clears throat> um, and I think that's about it. So. Awesome, girl. Appreciate it. Man, I love that. I don't know if um make sure this is up. Okay. I don't know if um if uh anybody picked up on that, but Jenny, when you were talking about that door like in your stomach, the scripture came to my mind. Um and I love when this stuff happens, but James, go ahead, put it up if you can. Um Acts, yeah, the way of you guys. So suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest of, on each of them. And then verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to. And so like we see, this is an acts when everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and the, the vision that the Lord was given Jenny was exactly that. And that's so cool. Uh, had you ever read that at that time? Yeah, see, that's so cool. That's happened. I love that. Man, God is so awesome. Well, cool deal. Cool deal. Well, thank you, Jenny. That was good stuff. Eric, our man Eric is up next. So give him a hand. And take it away, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so about a month ago, I, I was uh, reflecting on a Saturday morning. Still want the chair, buddy? Or? No, I don't want the chair, okay. thank you. And, uh, man, I was thinking about my life the last uh, 15, 17 years or so, and I thought about, you know, my testimony, and I thought, man, this is, this is really good stuff. And I, I have 
told Pastor Brady about this, and then he told me the idea for this sermon series, and I have been waiting for about a month <laughs> to tell this to you guys. So I am really excited to be here right now. And it doesn't matter how tired I am or think I'm not. I am really excited to be here. Uh, James, I want you to go ahead and find uh, John chapter 1 for me. And then you can be ready in Romans chapter 8 as well. Uh, Use the NIV. Okay. So I grew up in big old Pineville, Louisiana right over there next to Alexandria. And uh, if you ever drive up in North Louisiana, if you're driving around, you're going to see a church on every every street corner. There's a church, and like every third one is a Baptist church. (laughs) Honest truth. I drove through North Louisiana one time, and there was a Baptist church here, and across the road, about half a mile down, there was another Baptist church across the road. I'm like, how does that work? And pretty sure I, I, I wouldn't go, you know. But I, I did go, uh, I grew up in a couple of Methodist churches. Uh, um, so in the Methodist churches, uh, it, it, things are pretty routine, pretty dry. And uh, one church that I went to, he always talked about the pastors, uh, you got to have that personal relationship with Jesus. And I was like, 13 or so, I was like, praise God. What does that mean? (laughs) I don't even know what he's talking about. Hopefully he did, but I didn't. But when I was 13 years old, I was part of a youth group. I was excited to be a part of a youth group. And we got the coolest new youth pastor I had ever known in my life, uh, except for Brady. And, uh, and, uh, He took us on this trip, and we went to Fort Collins, Colorado, to an international youth conference with a whole bunch of other Methodist youth. And much like Jenny, I had never seen before people who were, like, charismatically worshiping. By the way, you are very blessed to be in this church where you have charismatic worship, where you show where there are people who are unashamed to worship and unashamed to lift their hands and unashamed to to worship God freely and openly. Because I'm going to tell you, at your age, I didn't have that. But I went to this conference, and they were doing that. And it wasn't wasn't mind-blowing to me. I didn't think they were crazy. I was thinking to myself, like, are they this excited at home? Because at my home, they're not. So, um, I got saved. 13 years old, Fort Collins, Colorado. And then I came home, and I had no discipleship in my life. None. I mean, even at my church. Now, I had a great Sunday school teacher, and and, uh, if you don't know what Sunday school is, just ask somebody. We'll, We'll get with you. But great Sunday school teacher. and And I learned a lot with this guy. Uh, but it was really the closest I had to discipleship, and he didn't know me outside of church, and he didn't see me, and he didn't know what I was like in high school uh, or junior high. He he, had, he didn't know. And, and so, 
you know, much like Jen was saying, you know, you go to church, you come home. But my family was a Christian family. It was a dry Christian family, but they were Christian. But no discipleship and no way to know how to deal with certain things. And when certain things happened, I didn't always know how to deal with it or have anyone to tell me. There was one person who understood me and one person who could put my whole world into perspective for me, whether I liked it or not, and that was my dad. My dad could see through me. There was that my relationship with my dad, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what it's like with your dad, but if I, if I messed up, if I messed up at home, I mean, my mom could say, I am going to beat you until you bleed and black and blue. And it's like, whatever. And then she say, I'm going to tell your dad, no, I'm sorry, mom. Don't tell dad. Don't tell dad. That changed everything. When I was 15 years old, my dad worked one weekend a month. If your dad's ever in the military, they go to drill. You know what I'm talking about. He worked one weekend a month. And one weekend, he was at drill. They came and told us that he collapsed on the track doing his PT training. He died right there on the spot at work. Being 15 years old, I didn't quite know how to deal with that. Who was going to help me put this in perspective for me? I don't know, because the only person that I knew that could help me out with this and put this in perspective for me was the one that just died. And that is rough for a 15-year-old. But knowing what my mom was like and knowing, knowing that no one was going to keep me in check anymore. No one. And at 15 years old, I made a very important decision. And I decided at 15 years old, nothing changes. Nothing changes. You're going to act the same way that you acted, just like he was here. You're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to go to school and act like you lost your mind. You're going to act just like you did before. And that was the decision that I made. We all dealt with it in certain different ways. My mom got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend. My brother, I really don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't home. But a lot of those times, I was too young to drive, and so I spent a lot of nights at home by myself. And I, had, and I got this girlfriend right after he had passed away. And we talked on the phone a lot, like hours, hours on the phone. And it was really how I dealt with it. She was the only, she was an anchor. And at some point, 
I think she just realized how much baggage I really had. And I realized at one point, she's going to break up with me. And that really messed me up. Again, messed me up a lot. And my brother, I told my brother, like, look, man, we need to go for a ride. There's nothing to do where I live. Just, you know, we go for a ride. <clears throat> and I was, you know, telling him, you know, dude, she's going to break up with me. This is over. This is going to be done. He said, what you want to do about it? I made a bad decision at this point. And I told my brother, I said, let's get drunk. And he said, no. Don't, don't, don't go putting him up there on a pedestal. But at that moment, he said no. Now, several years later, this is the same guy that threw a birthday party for me with uh, all my friends and decided that I was going to get drunk, but I didn't. It was just that one moment, that one time. I made a bad decision. And then he just shut me down. I wasn't the best Christian, but I did always know I was saved. And then one day when I went to college, I joined Chi Alpha. I started going to Chi Alpha, sit in the back row just in case, you know, they do something. Like, you know, if they start handing snakes out and stuff like that, you know, it's like I sat in the back just in case. I knew there was some funny stuff out there, and you know, I'm by the door. As the big old hair and, and goatee and Eric Truel thought that I might be a terrorist. <laughs> so he was watching me. But, uh, but through Chi Alpha, I found somebody, his name's Matthew Gear. He's now the uh, Chi Alpha pastor at Tulane and Loyola and UNO and all them other colleges over there. And uh, But at the time, he was an intern here in Lafayette, and he really took me aside, and he really started teaching me you know, how to read my Bible. He started teaching me how to study my Bible. I rededicated my life to Christ, because even though I knew I was saved, it's like I knew I wasn't where I should be, because I was a terrible Christian. If there was ever a terrible Christian, I wrote that book. <clears throat> but... He uh, he started discipling me. It was the first time I'd ever have that. I was in a long-term relationship at that time. I, I had been dating this girl for three years. Uh, not the first one, but another one. She actually did break up with me. Um, but when I joined Chi Alpha, and then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, So I rededicated my life to Christ. But I wanted to go back and tell you. <clears throat> I see Eli did some typing in my notes. Um, so I wanted to tell you guys this. The reason I'm, I, I want to share this with you is because that decision, first of all, I was saved. And then that decision that I'm going to do the right thing. We just act like, you know, 
I want you to know that the decisions that you guys make in your lives right now, at this age, 15, 14, 15, 16, up to 19, however old you are, the decisions that you guys are making right now are going to determine the course of the rest of your life. You are becoming the people that you're going to be right now. The decisions that you guys make, there's a lot of decisions to make. And things that you go through right now, you know, do you have boyfriends or girlfriends? Are you thinking about having a boyfriend or girlfriend? How do you want to do your hair? What kind of person you... Do you, what, do you going to go to college? What college do you want to go to? Are you going to go? If you do go, what are you going to study? If you don't go, what are you going to do? Are you going to get a job? All these things matter. The friends that you hang out with right now matters. It all matters. Every decision that you make when I look back on my life, I can see how much favor that I had. All the stupid decisions I made. And how much God had His hand on me. Do I, do I think that my brother told me no that night because he's just a wonderful person? No, looking back on it, I just think that God wasn't going to let that happen. I was reflecting one day after my dad had been gone. He had been gone for about five years. I was about 20 years old. I had broken up with my girlfriend. And uh, <laughs> she was Catholic, and their priest in Catholic Church, their their title is Father. And I, I wouldn't call the man Father, even when I went to church with her, and I, when I'd be talking to talking about him, I'd be like, uh, you know, what Rick said this morning. They're like, who's Rick? And my girlfriend's like, Father Rick. He doesn't call him Father Rick. And one day they, they started correcting me. Say, so I said something about Rick. They're like, it's Father Rick. And I would tell them straight up, he is not my father. My father died. When my mom started dating this guy, he eventually, this guy moved in with us when he was when I was 16 or 17, I don't know, he was there a while. And she would tell me stuff like, he's the man of this house. He's the man of this house. Like, whatever, he's been here 10 minutes. I've been here 10 years. And I felt like he was, like she was trying to say, he's the man of this house. You respect him like he's your father. My father's dead. It's not him. And he ain't nearly as intimidating. I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. 
My brother is way bigger than me. He's a big boy. And my mom said something to me one time. She's like, you shouldn't mess with him. You shouldn't mess with him. Well, he grabbed your brother up. He had your brother in a head hold. And I said, good. You tell him that if he touches me, he better kill me. Because if he doesn't, I'm going to get him. At 17 years old. This is true. This is all true. At 20 years old, after all this had passed, that boyfriend was gone. My girlfriend was gone. I was single at the time. I was in college. I was walking. I remember where I was walking down the street. And I was thinking back to good old Rick. And I was thinking back to my rebuke of Father Rick. And I remember God speaking to me in that moment. And God spoke to me and he said, you walk around and you tell people, I don't have a father. My father's dead. You never let anyone take his place. And God spoke to me that moment. He said, you never gave me a chance. I was like, you're right. I didn't. You start thinking about it. Our Father who art in heaven. And you pray and you say, Heavenly Father. It didn't mean hardly anything. Always knew God. I knew He was the one that saved me when I was 13. I didn't know or realize till recently, looking back, how much His hand was on my life. And that scripture in Romans chapter 8 that said, God works all things out for the good of those who love Him. And some of the tough things that I went through and some of the stupid things that I went through and look back on it and realize how much favor I have in my life, it's unreal. But the God that said that I was saved and the God that had bestowed all this favor on me said, you never gave me a chance. I went back to my dorm room and I opened this Bible. I went and found it. This Bible right here. And I went to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, I'm sorry. In John chapter 1, verse 12, Yet all who receive Him, to those who believed in His name, I knew that was me, to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. 
all those stupid decisions that I made, I can't imagine the person I would be if my brother would have agreed with me that night and said, yeah, hey, let's go get drunk. I can't imagine where I would be right now. Brady likes to say sometimes that everyone has this God-shaped hole in your heart. When I look at teenagers, I just see a bunch of people who are trying to figure out who they are and what their identity is. All those decisions that I said that you have to make earlier, what am I going to do? Am I going to Am I going to become this? Am I going to become that? How am I going to style my hair? What kind of clothes do I want to wear? Do I want to dress like this guy? Do I want to dress like them? Do I want to go to this party? Do I want to spend my time with these people? All these things trying to find your identity. In one moment, I knew who I was. And I knew whose I was. I didn't have to worry about how much money am I going to make. I didn't have to worry about what am I going to do with this college degree. And I didn't have to worry about finding another girlfriend. All of a sudden, I was happy and I was content And I had joy knowing that my father had identified me as his own son. And until you've experienced that, until you've experienced that, you're going to spend a lot of time searching. And you're going to spend a lot of time trying to... you know, find yourself. You're going to spend a lot of time on that. But in an instant, I knew whose I was. I'm really running out of time, and I'm very sorry. So, when I tell you I didn't have to worry about that, well, you didn't look, you weren't looking for a girlfriend anymore? I wasn't. Someone just walked in where I was working one day. And I looked up, I was like, wow, she's cute. And I said, good for her. <laughs> and I kept working. What? I was, I was like 20 years old. I thought she was like 15. And, uh, but, you know, although I didn't talk to her much that night, I did get her name, and when she showed up at Chi Alpha, I recognized her and knew who she was. And the more I started talking, and I had a, I had a plan, I had a goal, I had a vision in my life, okay, that, that God had given me. And the more I kept talking to her, the more I kept realizing that the goal and the plan and the vision was lining up perfectly. Too good. It was too good. I'd see other girls and think to myself, like, you know, that girl sits in front of me in that class. She's cute. She ain't Jen. She's not Jen. She's cute, but she's not Jen. It was too good. 
I didn't have to look. I was happy with who I was. God brought that into my life. The job that I have right now, God brought that one into my life too. And I had to go through a terrible job that I thought God was punishing me or something. But I had to go through that job to get to the job that I'm at now. And I don't make the most money in the world, but I'm home every night and I get to be here on Wednesday night. And I'm off every weekend, so I get to be in church on Sunday. It all fell together. And God, my Father, has been taking care of me ever since. Amen. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Well, man, that was awesome, Eric. Especially the love story at the end. I think you really reeled in all the girls there. <laughs> um, well, look, guys, let's stand up. And, and look, like I mentioned before, Every testimony is different, but every testimony is super powerful. Every one of them. You could see even just tonight, Jenny's testimony was different than Eric's testimony, but both had very powerful points. And the highlight or the powerful points all had a common denominator, and that's Jesus. Every one of those points, Jesus brought Jenny and Eric together, that point that you all really enjoyed there at the end. And and then when Eric, you know, when God spoke to Eric and said, you know, I'm your father, you never gave me a chance to be your father. You know, everybody in this room has to make that decision. Is God going to be your father? He wants to be. He wants to be. He wants to provide for you like you just heard about. You know, he wants to provide those jobs. He wants to give you direction. You know, Eric mentioned that you guys are going to have to make some decisions that really are going to affect your life. And that can be scary if you feel like you're making those decisions alone. But God wants to guide you. He wants to give you wisdom. And he can provide that through his word. He can provide that through prayer, through giving you words. Um, He can provide that through the Holy Spirit guiding and opening doors and closing doors, all of those things. But he provides that whenever you submit your life to him. And tonight, I want to have some of the altar workers, some of the leaders, if you could come up. I want to have some altar ministry time. Um, I don't want you to feel obligated to do this, but look, if the Holy Spirit is stirring you, if there's anything that you want prayer about, you know, I honestly believe this. I believe that God wants to give us testimony after testimony. I think God wants to give us some mind-blowing stories to tell people. It just requires us to have faith and do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that requires a whole lot of trust. And so sometimes that starts off with a prayer. More times than not, it starts off with a prayer. And so I want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to pray out, and, um, and I hope you get stirred, and I hope you're thinking about, man, what's my testimony? How can I say this is when I met God? Am I, am I in relationship with Jesus? Is, is he my Lord? And if he is, did it stop there? Am I trusting him, and I'm asking him to do things that, that I don't think he can do, or things like that? I want you to be stirred to think about those things. And so listen, I'm going to pray, and and I don't want you to hesitate. If you feel stirred up, I'd love for you to come up here and get prayer with one of the leaders. They'd love to pray with you. I'd like to pray with you. And so I'm going to pray. And when I'm done, when I say amen, let's make a move, guys, and, uh, and come up for prayer. If you have to go after that, I love you guys. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you next time, if not on Sunday, okay? And so let's just pray. Jesus, Lord, we love that we can have our own personal encounters with you. 
I look at it like our own inside story, like like an inside joke with friends, like an inside moment with friends. God, I look at it like that, that we have our own intimate encounter with you. God, you've done things in my life. You've done things in these leaders' lives that cause people to say, what happened? And our response to that is always Jesus. God, you are what changes things. You are what, you're the catalyst to all the good in our life, God. And so I pray that every student right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir every student up, everybody hearing my voice, that they would hunger to have a testimony with you, that they would hunger to have a relationship with you, and that they would hunger to continue to have testimony after testimony, story after story to tell people about what you're doing in in their life and what they're trusting you with, God. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, and we be sure to give you all the glory and all the honor. Now, God, before we dismiss, I pray that you put your hand of protection over every student in this room. Lord, I pray that you keep them safe as they leave here tonight. I pray that you keep them safe as they travel around for the rest of the week. And God, I pray that you help them make it back here next Wednesday safe as well. Lord, I pray that you continue to mold every young man in this room into the man that you want him to be and every young lady in this room into the lady that you want her to be. Lord, we know that you have an awesome plan and we look forward to just partnering with you. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want prayer, come up right now. Don't waste no time. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. There we go. Good stuff. And if you want to worship for a little while where you're at, you're good too. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.